What a privilege it is to be with you once again this morning as we are headlong into a new year. Ain't no going back now. We're going to start a new year. Looking forward to see what God uh, is going to do uh, in each of our lives individually, then also collectively. But the Lord has a purpose and and a cause for his people collectively as we seek to show off the goodness of God. And the fact that that blood is still saving, it is still rescuing, and it's still keeping. Amen. Well, this morning, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians, the third chapter. As we continue to look at the subject, more of the king in 2017. More of the king in 2017. Philippians, the third chapter. This morning, we will start with verse 7, reading to verse 14. If you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As we continue our New Year's study of more of the King in 2017, let us go before our Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come right now in desperate need of you. Father, we come right now needing you to wake us up, to give us full minds and full hearts because you have filled us with your spirit once again. Father, we ask and I intercede on behalf of each one of us here today, Lord, just please give us new mercies and new grace that would call us cause us to love you 
to depend upon you daily. Father, I ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit right now, that your glory will be felt in this place, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, because apart from your grace, we cannot understand the glories and the excellencies we have in Christ Jesus. So Holy Spirit, point us to Christ this morning. Have mercy on us. Please forgive us for our sin, the ways that we have been selfish and prideful and rebelled against you even this morning, even this past moment. Lord, have mercy on us. Please forgive us for our sins. Please forgive us for our trespasses. Forgive us for having cold and dull hearts when you are so glorious. Forgive us, God. But as we approach your word this morning, Father, please speak to us. Prepare our hearts to receive your word, to be challenged, to be convicted, but to be strengthened by the power of your spirit. We love you. We thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Indeed, for all of our Yes, it is a privilege to be uh, worshiping with you this morning. I pray that the Lord will uh, open your eyes to his glory even more so this morning. As we continue to look at this text of, of scripture. And last week as we set out, we began to talk about having goals for 2017. And as we enter into a new year, we always uh, like to have uh, different goals, different accomplishments in mind. Whenever, whenever we approach a new year, because a new year just provides that opportunity to kind of start fresh, like it's new. So as we look at this year and we have various uh, financial goals, there are things we want to save up for, places we want to go. Uh, we have various uh, self-improvement goals, whether uh, change our, our, our look and our appearance in various ways. We may have relational goals, but... Uh, as we, I came before you last week, I wanted us to begin to actually think about, because we don't think about it a lot of times, but what would it look like to actually set some spiritual goals for the year? What would it look like to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And I know it's by, only by your grace and mercy that I could have ever accomplish this, but Lord, you have something for me to do. Please reveal that to me. So as we enter into this year, we are desiring more of the king because whatever your spiritual goal is, if Jesus is not the center and the focus, then you're wasting your time. If Jesus is not the motivation of your heart, everything you do, you're doing for yourself and God will not bless that. But if Jesus is the center of your motivations and you want more of him, then he will bless and he will guide. So no matter what our goals are, we all need more of the king in 2017. Of all the goals that you could set this year, pursuing Jesus is the greatest goal in life. So I submit to you this morning, uh, we should, you should continually pursue deeper intimacy with Christ because your relationship with Jesus matters most. Again, my prayer is that we would know Christ better. We would see his glory more clearly and serve him more faithfully. 
For in the text before us, this is what we see from Paul. Paul is a man who desires more of Jesus. He wants more of this single treasure than he has uh, previously. He desires to be closer to Christ. Paul doesn't just want to get to heaven. Paul wants to be made whole in Christ. He wants complete union with Christ. He in him and Christ in him. Because Paul knows that being in Christ really means that you, it brings forth all the blessings of salvation from eternity past to eternity future. When you're in Christ, when he is making you whole, you have everything in one. Praise God. Last week we started off, we're working through the acronym KING. And last week in your bulletins we have listed out, but last week we talked about K, keep your eyes fixed on the supreme worth of Jesus. If you're going to do anything else this year, you need to be fixated on how glorious, spectacular, splendid Jesus is. Paul was overwhelmed by Jesus. Paul knew that had not Jesus encountered him on Damascus Road, that he would have been lost. He owes everything to Jesus' initiative to come and rescue a sinner such as himself. As Paul is thinking, it's this sense that he says, I thought I had everything already. I had a name for myself. I had notoriety. I had fame. I, I had fortune. But I thought I had everything. But then I met Jesus. We could be the same way. We can think we really got it going on. We can think we the boss. But when you really meet Jesus, you understand that you didn't have anything in the first place. It is because of Christ that he can stand and testify Previously, Paul was, he was counting upon his efforts, his work, his name as his righteousness, that which would make him acceptable before God, his past religious accomplishments. But what does he say now? He says, I count it as loss. I count it as loss. And he counts it as loss because he understands that had he continued to depend on his ability to save him, he would have been lost. That righteousness and works was dragging him straight to hell. And when we believe that our good works is what save us, our, our good tongue, our compliments, and when we believe that those are the things that makes us acceptable to God, we are being dragged straight to hell by our very own works. Because what does the scripture tells us? The scripture tells us that our works are as filthy rags. Our, our works are nothing compared to the glorious beauty of Christ. Our works are always tainted with what we can get out of it. Sinful motivations. He says he counts all that as rubbish. He, he, he didn't care about them anymore. He was able to throw them in the trash. So we said, well, why did Paul feel that way? Well, Paul, he understood the supreme worth of Jesus. He just knew that when he gained Christ, he would have everything. That he was actually settling for less 
by counting upon his own works and his righteousness. He was settling for less when people would give him accolades, when people would say, oh, Paul, you sweet, you are, you are, such, a good, you are such a good follower of, of, of the way, you are such a, a good follower of the law, you are, uh, you, are, you are such a good Pharisee. All that is lost. As he would gain Christ, he knew how preeminent Jesus was. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians right quick. One verse that, that one passage of scripture that summarizes Jesus' value. Colossians, the first chapter, beginning with verse 15. Listen to this. Spirit, help us to hear this, please. He is the image of the invisible God, Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. We're not the head. He is the head. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Why? Why is Jesus preeminent? Why is he so valuable? Why is his worth supreme? Ha! 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. When we see Jesus, we see God. We see the triune God at work when we look at Jesus. The triune God, the Alpha, the Omega. The beginning, the end, uh, the universe is in the palm of his hands. When we look at Jesus, we see God. And he finishes up, verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by what? That blood has been working on your behalf, by the blood of his cross. So when we say the blood still works, we mean that God is still in charge. When we say the blood still works, we're talking about Jesus is still on the throne. When we say the blood still works, we're saying that Jesus is still standing on my behalf before the Father. When we say the blood still works, we are taking into account that God is reconciling all things, everything that is wrong, cancer and sickness and disease, when we say the blood still works, we're saying that Jesus is going to put an end to all of that. He's willing to give up his man-made righteousness and count it as nothing because he understands the supreme value of Christ. And as he looks upon the face of Jesus, not only does he see the sovereign creator, 
who has been working all things for his glory, but he sees specifically, he sees his justification in the face of Jesus. Receiving the righteousness from, from God by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. When he looks at the face of Jesus, he sees his sanctification, for it is the, the power of the, of the resurrection. That's what he wants. He wants the power of the resurrection. He wants death to work inside of him in order that Jesus may show off. He wants to die to himself, not living for himself, not, not centering his world around himself, but he wants to be sanctified. But we see, we see this participation with Jesus, knowing the power of Christ's resurrection and participa- participation in his sufferings, that means you're going to be doing stuff with Jesus here on earth. You're going to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, but you're going to suffer with Jesus too. If you are a genuine Christian and you name the name of Jesus on the job, at school, in your family, people will persecute you. You will have sufferings, you will have difficulties, and you will have pain. But Paul says, that's okay if I go through a little something, something, because I know who is walking with me, Jesus Christ. And he says, you will attain, he wants to attain the resurrection from the dead. That's glorification. Glory, he he himself will display the very glory of Christ. When Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and and that brilliant glow, understand, beloved, that's where we're headed. For those who belong to Jesus, he's going to give you a new look. It's still going to be you, but it's not going to be you. It's going to be you in the sense that the Father has called you to himself, but all that mess, all that baggage, all that stuff that's in the closet tucked away, it's going to be dumped out, cleared out, and clean, brand new. It's going to put a shine on your life. See, when Paul is looking at Jesus, he is holding close to his heart. Ephesians 1 and 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He said, you want this man-made stuff? But when you're in Christ, you got heavenly blessings. Heavenly blessings. And 1 and 4, even as we chose him, even as he chose us, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. He says, election is in Jesus. You, you, you wasn't even an Adam, but you were in the mind of God. He was, he was, you was on God's mind since eternity past, and he says, I want them. He chooses you before the world is even established. And adopted as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We are adopted into a new family where our family, our our humanity, we are the inheritors of death, disease, and brokenness. He says, nah, I'm going to give you a new inheritance because I'm going to put you in my family and give you all things. Gives you redemption. In him we have redemption of sin. The forgiveness of our foolishness. All of this is in Christ. If you want more of the king in 2017, you must see there's only gain 
in Jesus. See, but our problem we talked about, we, we're underwhelmed by Jesus. Our problem, we are underwhelmed by Jesus. And it's because we see salvation as a thing and not a person. When you see salvation as a possession to be held, something you put in your pocket, you forget how good it is. You, we, we begin to treat Jesus like the latest iPhone. Like when we heard that it was coming out, we was like, I got to have it. When is it coming out? When is the day? And then we, we, when we heard what store that it had something in stock, we will set up our tent and stand outside waiting to get that new iPhone. And then we go through the line. We spend all up. We ain't got the money. We put on our, our charge card because we got to have it. And we get that phone. We begin to play. Ooh. And it does that. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Fifteen minutes later, we like, oh, put it back in our pocket. Bored with it. Like, when the iPhone 9 come out? Waiting for something new. See, when you treat salvation like an iPhone, then you can get used to it. You can become bored with it. And it's something that you don't treasure. You think it's just something you have. But, but beloved, salvation is not a thing to be possessed. It's a person to be in a relationship with. If you were to treat your best friend by not speaking to them, by not calling them, by not thinking about them, that's not a relationship. But what makes relationships so beautiful? Because they're ongoing. They're continual. They're, they're, they're mutually beneficial. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with sinners like us. And he shed his very blood to pay for it. Don't allow ourselves to be underwhelmed, but keep your eyes fixed upon the supreme worth of Jesus. So secondly, here we say, Kay, keep your eyes fixed upon the supreme worth of Jesus. But secondly, you, we need to identify threats to your pursuit of Jesus. In verses 2 through 7, we see how Paul is talking about the threats in his life. He begins to talk about people. He begins to talk about how the Judaizers were coming in and trying to make you think your salvation was based upon what you can do. This works-based righteousness. He said, people will give you a problem when you want to pursue Jesus. People will get in your way because people, they don't have your best interests in mind. Most people got their best interests in mind. They want to be able to profit and benefit from your life in order to make them something. But Jesus says, I gave my life so that you could be something. In verse four, he begins to talk about different perspectives, thinking that what he has done will make him righteous. So people, perspectives, what, the things that we believe are threats to pursuing Jesus. When we are inundated with media, something is going to affect us. We're going to believe a certain way. If, if I listen to music that continually talks about women in a particular way and devalues them and makes them as objects, then at some point, I'm going to begin to believe that. But what you put before you the most is what you really believe. Paul says, People are threats. Perspectives are threats. But then he brings up his past. His past is a threat. If Paul was to sit and, and contemplate how he used to persecute Christians, put Christians to death, 
and he, and he got wrapped up in his past, then he will not be able to move forward. That is a threat. And sometimes in our lives, things have happened and God is working, but we don't see the benefit. We don't see the blessing. We only see the burden. God is using everything that has happened to you. It's a matter of perspective. He's using people, perspectives, past. But you know what our greatest enemy is to to pursuing Jesus in 2017? It's our prideful hearts. It's pride. Pride. This this is what this text is all about. It's about people being self-righteous in order to prove themselves to God. This is self-worship. Well, I did this and and I gave this to the church and I showed up here and I went there. And the concern is about who they are, not who Christ is. This, so this self-righteousness is self-worship, their past spiritual success. We know that we're caught in this threat when we begin to show up to church each week and just say, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I was baptized 40 years ago. I'm good. Why don't you pray for me? Now, I don't need people to pray for, you. Pray for me. I'm good. How can, how can we serve you? I'm good. How can we help you? I'm good. You're living on your self-righteousness. You don't think you need anything. But don't you know that Christians are the neediest people on the earth? Because each and every day for, for, for every breath that I take, I understand that I need Jesus to keep my heart beating. I need Jesus to keep my mind intact. Don't you know the, the human body is so complex? All it takes is a, a little hiccup and you on the ground passed out, stroked out. Why? Because we're so frail. But yet, I'm good. But you know what? The other side of self-righteousness or self-worship is self-pity. It's a form of pride, too. When, When you're constantly looking back at your past failures and saying, I'm nothing. That's the other extreme. Paul is talking about his zeal to kill Christians, the very person he is right now. Self-pity says, I'm nothing. What can I contribute? I'm not this. I'm not that. That's still pride. Because you are afraid to trust God. You're afraid to believe that he said that if you are a believer in Christ, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. And the gift ain't for you. The gift is for me. My gift is not for me. My gift is for you. God has created us in a way that we are in desperate need of one another. And when I don't show up and show out what God has done in my life, I am being prideful and saying you can't have what I got. So the balance, when we think about our Christian walk, is you ain't more than that. You ain't all that. But guess what? You ain't less than that either. You ain't down in the dumps. Don't you know whose blood was shed to save you and how precious that blood is? See, pride, self is the center. 
It's not about his glory. It's about our glory. This is a threat. This is what what we see with a lot of celebrities. This is why celebrities self-destruct. Their pride kills them. Their pride breaks up their marriages. Their pride causes all kind of chaos. Reading their, their own height. My pops, I used to play basketball, and, and if I would do good, I would want to get up early and get a paper on Saturday morning to read my press clippings. And my dad used to say, you better go read your own press clippings, boy. You just go play. As Christians, sometimes we get caught up in our own press clippings, don't we? And we think we're such good Christians. But don't, don't you know that those good works that you're walking in was created by God himself in order so you could walk in them? So the good work you think you're doing is God who's doing them through you and for you in the first place. We ain't nothing. God is doing all of this. If you want more of the king in 2017, you must keep watch over your heart. Just pay attention. Just pay attention. Ask yourself, how has self gotten in the way of you pursuing Jesus? How have you tripped up yourself trying to pursue? That, stop blaming everybody else. We'll take care of them another day, but where about what you do? How do you get in your own way? You, we can be our, our worst enemy any day of the week. I ain't got to worry about that. I, I don't have to worry about my boss on the job. That's me. I'm the one on the Internet doing when I was supposed to be working. I'm the one who's doing it. Not my boss. Ask yourself questions like, who does your world revolve around? James 4 tells us the reason why we argue. We want our way. The reason why we argue is because we want our way and we're not getting it. Philippians 2 tells us why we're so selfish. It's pride. We want to humble ourselves like Jesus. Ask yourself, are you often impatient or easily irritated? That's pride. Are you a control freak? That's pride. Are you a loner? I just like, I just, you know, I just by myself, you know, I don't, I, I don't deal with them people. I just kind of do my own thing. That's pride. Are you consumed with what other people think about you? That's pride. We want celebrity status and end up self-destructing in the midst. Lord, help us. But when we place ourselves versus Jesus, we see that though we want the glory, the glory is already his. And humility says that I'm not going to press into me or my press clippings. I'm going to press into Jesus or his testimony. I'm going to press into him and let him speak. Don't you understand? James 4, 6 says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Hear that. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You, you wondering? Why your life is like an exam over and over? Why, why, why your life is like Groundhog's Day? It's just the same thing. Just keep on happening over and over. God, is, God will oppose you. 
God will keep you from moving forward until you pass the test. God will stand in your way. You're trying to get ahead. God said, not this way. You got to take care of that pride before any of this opens up in your favor. Because if it opened up right now, you'll think that you did it your way. The God, God opposes the, God, God, the creator, the sustainer, the beginning, God himself will stand against you. You think they don't like you on the job. You think the teacher's giving you a hard time. You think it's people, and God is standing in the back saying, no, that's me, son. That's me. When we can't stand down before God, he opposes us. Your heart may be cold toward God because he's opposing you right now. He's withholding new mercies and new grace because you won't humble yourself. And you wonder, I, you know, I just don't feel like I used to. I, I, you know, I, I used to feel this way. Could it be pride? I'm not saying it always is, but could it be? Identify threats to your pursuit of Jesus. Thirdly, in. N stands for narrow your focus to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Narrow your focus to be a faithful follower of Jesus. In verse 13, this is what Paul is talking about. Verse 13, Paul, he simply says this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And that's called narrowing your focus. But one thing I do. See, Paul knows that. Christ needs to be his highest priority in life. Paul knows a whole lot of stuff. He's a smart man. But he says, but it's only one thing I really know. And that I need to keep Christ ahead of me. I need to be running towards him. And what does he say? Forgetting what lies behind. Narrow your focus. You're not looking back. You're not living in the past. You're, 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 I remember when things used to be, and I remember when we used to. Forgetting what, forget that. Praise God, you, you preached on the corner, 50 people came to Christ. That was in 87. What happens in 2017 is a new day. I can't stand on past spiritual accomplishments when it comes to Christ. I, I used to. And what does he say? I'm straining forward. That's focus. Paul is using this athletic metaphor of of a runner running a race. And if if you know you running up against Usain Bolt, you got to be focused. You can't be worried about who's on your left and who's on your right. You can't be worried if they got your name spelled right on the marquee. You can't be worried about if your shoes laced up properly. You can't be worried about all that. When you get to the race and it gets ready to start, you have to be focused. That is the Christian life. This is a race that we're running. And if we're distracted, 
we will get off course quickly and we will lose. See, that's our issue. We've become too, too distracted to enjoy Jesus. We're too distracted to enjoy Jesus. Our focus is too wide. Our gaze is too wide. We got too much on our calendars, too much going on. We have to focus and treasure the one thing, that one thing, Christ Jesus. Turn with me quickly to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 44 and 45. Jesus says, you got to narrow your focus. In verse 44, Jesus is speaking the parables and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus is saying, you should be willing to get rid of everything when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. When it comes to a relationship with me, you need to walk with open hands, not thinking you actually got something when you don't have. When we walk with closed hands before Jesus, we're not holding possessions. We're actually holding weights that's going to take us under. If you want more of the king in 2017, you must simplify your faith. Simplify your faith. What does that mean? When we narrow our focus to, to what really matters, then Jesus receives more glory. When we begin to pay attention to what Jesus would have of us, what he has said, where he wants us to go, Jesus should initiate our priorities. I, what I consider important in my life and what I do should flow out of my love for Jesus. Well, well I, will Jesus receive glory in this relationship? Would Jesus receive glory from this purchase? Would Jesus consider this acceptable? Jesus should influence our choices. What we watch, how we watch, what our children watch, what they wear. You know what, beloved? What we treasure, our children see. And if we are concerned about what our children treasure, then we got to give them a good example, don't we? And if I'm always hustling, always slanging, always worried about me, always dropping them off, always partying, then they're going to figure out that they don't mean that much. And we wonder why sin is such generational. We're providing the model and the example. But when Jesus is the center of your decisions, he gives you a blueprint and a roadmap to bring glory to the Father. Jesus should impact our decisions. So what do we need to do? Well, one thing we need to do, we need to slow down. We just need to slow down. 
slow down. Because what Satan does to me, Satan, he doesn't, I know my proclivities. And what Satan does to me, Satan gets me busy to make me distracted. Satan, he he tempts me to want to glorify myself. Well, I I need to take that meeting because, you know, I got to teach them the word. Or I, I need to be there, too. Because, I, because they, of course, they need the pastor to show up, and I need to be here, and I need to be there. But so my sinful pride is used by Satan to fill up my calendar to keep me from spending quality time with the Lord during the week. And he got me. And at the end of the week, I'm trying to figure out why am I so spiritually drained? Well, I haven't filled up all week. God has confronted me with with this sin in my life where now I have to to be mindful to choose best over good. Because a lot of things are good. But for where you are in this season of your life, don't choose good, choose best. Narrow your focus that Jesus will be glorified. You'll need to decide what this looks like for your family. Every family is going to be different. And understand there's going to be certain seasons of, of life where, where things come up. But we have to slow down. We have to slow down. Now, your family may be different, but we've chosen in our family. We, now, we got, we got four little ones. Everybody can't play different sports everywhere every day of the week. I, I, I love you, baby, but as a family, we need to spend time together. So I can't be at four different places every day of the week. We have to narrow our focus if we're going to be a family that glorifies God. Are, are athletics sinful? No. Are they good? Yes. But can they be a distraction for what matters most? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need to slow down, but then we need to put it down. What do you need to let go of that you may be focused? What show do you need? What show do you need to cut off? You know when you watch it, because ain't nobody else home. You're like, do you need to have windows of operation for your phone use? Are there, are, are there some times that you just need to put the phone away? Don't put it on vibrate. Cut it off. Is there a relationship that you're in that you need to put down? Because it got you all over the place? Is there a job that you're trying to get or, or trying to work because uh, you're going to get paid, but it's a distraction? What do you need to put down? Narrow your focus to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Lastly, G. G simply stands for get moving. Get moving. Verse 14, what does Paul say? I press on. I press. That's that athletic analogy he's using. I'm doing, I'm exerting all of my effort at this one thing right now. I'm going to run my hardest. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to press. Paul gets to the point where he says, 
I know I want Jesus, but now I got to act on Jesus. I got to do something. And for us this morning, there's this cultural idiom that captures the substance of what Paul is saying. (laughs) Paul is saying, don't talk about it, be about it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about what you're going to do in this big vision. Just start walking the vision. Just start taking small steps. I press. Paul is saying, I'm not going to win the race in, 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 one, in one bite. I'm not going to win it all in one session, but there's, I, I need to keep going uh, little by little, straining forward for more of Jesus. That's like, again, grew up playing a lot of basketball, and there, there's always that, that one dude who gets the ball, and he's like, he's like at the top of the key. And he get the ball, and he's like, ha, 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 going around, ha, ha, ha. And then he stops, but he's in the same spot. <laughs> like, you done did all this work, but you ain't gone nowhere. My coaches always tell me, north and south, if you got the ball, go somewhere. Don't be at the top trying to show off your handles. Give me a bucket or an assist, and then you're doing something. When it comes to the Christian wall, stop trying to show off. I got my, I got my gators and my, my suits on, and, and then you know, I, I can talk the talk. I'm blessed and highly favored, and uh, I, I do all of this. Well, go somewhere. Do something. Help somebody. Open the door, take out a trash, check a mic, pass out a bulletin. Stop showing up, showing off how sweet you are on Sundays. Do something. God wants us to get moving. I press. I press. I'm going somewhere with this Christian walk. I'm doing something in this Christian life. I'm not trying to show off. I want Jesus to be pleased with me. If you want more of the king in 2017, you must take action. You must take action. We we all here quickly, I'm going to run through this. In James, the first chapter we we often hear but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We hear that. And we, and we say that out of a right heart. We, we, we want to do and live out of what we've learned. But if you notice verses 19 through 21, what would keep you from acting on God's word? Watch, in verse 19, James says, know this, My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What he's saying is, before we can even move forward with the word of God, that's some stuff that we got to deal with. I I can't move forward If I'm slow to hear. If I ain't listening. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I'm not moving forward. 
I can't move forward if I'm quick to speak. If the first thing that comes in your mind wants to come out, don't say it. I can't move forward if I'm quick to anger. If I'm always upset about something, I can't move forward. I don't have to be upset about it because I know the creator got all things in the palm of his hand. When I'm upset about a situation, I'm upset at God. I'm saying you ain't doing what I want you to do. I can't move forward in filthiness. You know what that is? That, that's, that's moral impurity. I can't, just, I can't just be in sin and expect to move forward. That's what he's saying. I can't be a doer of the word if my life is foul. If, I, if I've just accepted sin, I'm just in it. I, 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 ain't, I ain't say struggling because we struggle with sin. I'm just talking about this. This is what it is. This is the best as it get. I'm satisfied in this relationship. I, I know we ain't married, but... It makes sense, you know, but it's a job. We can't move forward if we live in the sin. Wickedness. Are my actions harmful and damaging? I can't move forward if I reject the word of God. If I'm not reading my Bible... I ain't going to name how often, but if I ain't reading my Bible, I'm saying I don't need God. I don't need you, God. I don't need you to speak to me. I got it. I don't need to hear from Christ. Beloved, it's time for action. Don't be hearers. Be doers. Start that Bible reading plan. Do it. I know you failed before. Just try again. Keep going. Memorize those verses. You can do it, no matter how old you are. You can do it. You memorize what time the show come on, you know. You memorize that scripture. Attend a community group. Do life together. Begin serving here. Join the church. Trust Jesus today. That's doing something. Make an appointment. Let's talk. Where does Lord have you? Where do you think he, he wants you to go? But do something. Get moving. You know, the beginning of a new year, is, it's not only fantastic, but it can leave us fearful. Because we fear failure. And when we fear failure... That causes us to cease to act a lot of times. I don't want to fail, so I'm just not going to try. See, in a sermon like this, could, could stir those same emotions up. It's like, I'm excited. I, I know that, that I want more of Jesus, but, but I'm fearful because every time in the past I've made a commitment to trust Jesus more, I, I've failed. But I don't want you to leave here thinking that way. Why? Because Paul didn't. Paul didn't think this way. Look at verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I'm not where 
I need to be. But he's saying, uh, but I'm not where I used to be. And then he, he says, but I press on, watch, to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul is, is, is putting the ownership on Jesus. He is saying, you ain't the one who's going to make these changes in your life. You ain't the one who's going to be able to do it in your own strength. The only way that this is even possible is because Jesus has chose you. That's grace. I know I'm not perfect. I, I know I need to be pressing, but I get tired and I, I get weak and I, and I fail. But glory be to God that my, my acceptance before the king is not based upon my work, but based upon Jesus because he chose me. Just because he chose me. Paul wasn't worthy of this grace. Paul wasn't worthy of Christ and neither are we. So we don't leave here thinking, I'm just going to be a better Christian. No, we, we leave here thinking, Jesus, I'm weak. I'm going to need you to work this out. I'm a, Jesus, you, you know, I, I, I like my TV shows. You're going to need to take that taste away. You know that I really feel in this relationship and, and things are going well, but Jesus, give me the strength to walk out. I can't do it, but you already have. Paul, he's operating out of grace that he's already received. Have you received his grace? Pursuing Jesus is the greatest goal in life. We need to pursue deeper intimacy with Christ because your relationship with Jesus is what matters most. This is what matters most because this relationship is eternal. It's not temporary. Tell my students all the time, these relationships you have in high school, you, you, great, you may love them, you may, you may think that's your best friend, but most likely the people that you went to high school with, they're not going to be your friends when you grow up. Especially if you go off to college, more than likely your college friends are going to be the people that's with you for the rest of your life. So don't get so invested in these relationships right now. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to us. Don't get invested in, so invested in this life right now that you forget about what really matters. And that's your eternal relationship with Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on the supreme worth of Jesus. Identify threats to your pursuit of Jesus. Narrow your focus to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And get moving. What is your relationship to the king today? Is he a possession? Is he a person? Who will be your king? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for the clear directives that you are giving to us today. Father, I pray that your word will fall upon fertile soil, that your word would take root, and that we would genuinely desire more of the king in 2017. Father, I pray that your word would accomplish what you have declared and decreed this morning. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be followers. And help us to surrender our lives to Jesus today. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.